0: Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. Good morning to you. My name is Cathy Kayla and thank you so much for joining me this morning for this Discam Medical Monday. I will be your host for the next hour. You know, as South Africans living in uh, stressful times, it's not a matter of managing your, it's not a matter of, you know, living without stress. It's a matter of, it's a matter of managing your stress. But often there are times in our lives where we aren't able to manage our stress and you know the body is the most miraculous miraculous machine it's, uh, it can manifest and deals with stress and, and different situations in different ways and sometimes stress can manifest in uh, you know in a nervous tick if your eye if your eye starts uh, starts twitching it means that you could need some sleep or that you're in a very stressful situation or stressful state um, but there's other things that can be long term as well you know if one looks at the skin it's the, it's the It's the body's biggest organ And You know I actually remember somebody Saying to me don't put anything on your skin that you Wouldn't put on your eye Or put in your eye because That's how sensitive your skin is And uh, Of course stress can manifest In your skin as well So uh, I've called up one of our One of our experts he's a dermatologist You've heard him here on the Diskin Medical Monday before his name is Dr. Irshad Mohamed Esak and uh, Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to be talking about psoriasis today. It's I can't believe how common it is. How many people have psoriasis?
1: Once again, thank you, Kathy, uh, for having me it's on your show. It's lovely to have you. Um, psoriasis is actually a very common disorder. Um, on average, if you look at uh, South African and U.S. populations, you're looking at about 2% of the general population who actually suffer from psoriasis in some form or the other. The majority of patients who have psoriasis generally in their mild forms tend not to know that they've got psoriasis because it rel- can be a relatively innocu- innocuous disease. However, the more um, severe forms or mild to moderate forms, patients tend to present themselves initially to their GP, uh, who in most cases can manage the problem. And then as dermatologists tend to treat the ones that are um, more, more severe. severe or the ones that are more resistant uh, to treatment. But psoriasis essentially... Is a very, very common disorder
0: So for years I thought that psoriasis Was something that people got in their livers From drinking
1: That's referred to as cirrhosis it's a type Cri- of scarring that occurs in the liver
0: 100% So explain what does psoriasis look like The, so mo- the most common The common form And then we can go into what, the are, different types There
1: are uh, uncommon or atypical forms But in the classic type of psoriasis Which is the plug type Or psoriasis vulgaris Um, You have a salmon colored Or a pink looking elevated area on the skin It could be anywhere from a few millimeters To uh, large areas that cover um, large areas of the body Um, Overlying that you have a silvery white Adherent or stuck on scale And uh, usually if you happen to scratch or scrape the scale off You tend to get fine pinpoint oozing or bleeding underneath not always uh, easy to elicit but should that occur uh, it's quite uh, indicative of psoriasis Um, psoriasis can essentially occur in its common forms um, in most areas of the body if we are going to start from in a head to toe type of um, direction uh, the scalp can be involved particularly uh, the area within the hairline and psoriasis tends to peep just past the hairline itself Uh, the areas behind the ears is a very common sight as well Uh, in the common type of psoriasis it'll be the elbow area so the extensor areas coming down to the navel or the umbilicus the lumbar portion of the back and um, the gluteal cleft itself you will find psoriasis also occurring on the knees um, those are essentially the common areas that you get uh, of psoriasis in psoriasis vulgaris.
0: Okay, so it's hairline, behind the ears, elbows, and the knees. Uh, knees, knees, and then you said lower the, back the and the lower
1: obelitis. back. Yeah. Okay. That's the, com- the 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 common type of psoriasis.
0: Okay. Um, how does it feel? I mean, does it get itchy? Does it, you know, is it painful? Does it sting?
1: Essentially, the textbooks tend to describe psoriasis as being relatively non-itchy if you have got to compare that to something like eczema however a lot of patients because of the inflammation and because of the chemicals that are driving the inflammation itch can be a significant feature of psoriasis in, and in some patients it can be so um, uh, difficult for them that it can become debilitating from an occupational and from a so- social functioning point of view So it's not a disorder that can, although common, it's not something that should be trivialized because it is a chronic disorder. And patients who suffer from psoriasis in the long term tend to be very, very uncomfortable for long periods of time.
0: What do you mean by chronic?
1: The the disease will essentially go through times where it will get better and get worse. So you will get... Periods of flares and then relative remissions and then flares and remissions. In the long term. In the long term. Like, like, like you would have another disorder like hypertension or diabetes that is chronic, that will go through periods where it gets better and worse and better and worse. The idea, like with any chronic disorder, is to maintain the patient in a state of good functioning. Uh, and psoriasis is another one of those, those particular disorders.
0: Is it, you know, is it catchy?
1: It's not necessarily contagious. Mm. Yes, there are a few triggers from an infection point of view that can trigger off psoriasis. But, it, but psoriasis itself is not an, a, a contagious disorder. Uh, however, there is a strong family history among psoriasis sufferers. So say, for example, you have one parent who's got psoriasis. There's about a 35 to 40 percent chance that they may have a child who's got psoriasis. And if you've got both parents have got psoriasis and that that chance goes up to almost about sixty to sixty five percent of the child having psoriasis. But the mechanism or the method by which the child gets it is not necessarily from contact. It's mainly because of the genetics. There is a problem on chromosome one that results in the child being put at risk. Of the development of psoriasis.
0: So your child is born. If if mom and dad both have psoriasis, your child will be born with a very strong propensity to for then to develop, manifest the disease. Correct. Right. Um, and whatever the trigger is, the trigger may be stress. It might be, uh, you know, um, fabric softener.
1: In your in, in your introduction, you you mentioned we live in very stressful st- stressful times. Yes. Stress is is a very common trigger for psoriasis, and stress is a very common driver of the disease itself. You will find that, say, for example, you have a patient who is genetically at risk. For example, one or both parents have got psoriasis. When they meet a particular stressor, be it a social stressor, a financial stressor, emotional stressor, a personal physical stressor, other medical illness, for example, that may tip them over into developing an overactivity of the immune system that results in the disease.
0: What is happening in the body? When somebody has an outbreak of psoriasis And I'm going to ask you to just take us through that process Um, My guest is Dr. Irshad Mohammed Esak He is a dermatologist And if you've got any questions for us Please send them through The number is three four five one nine that's the text number. You can also send us a WhatsApp on zero six one eight nine five one oh one nine. Got it? Zero six one eight nine five one oh one nine. This is the Discam Medical Monday. We are talking to a dermatologist Doctor Ishad Mohammed Esak and we're talking about psoriasis which is uh, you know as you as you're hearing it is an immune system reaction to stress. It's the body's reaction to dealing with stress. We'll be right back. Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Discem, pharmacists who care. Thank you so much uh, for joining me. My name is Kathy Kayla, and uh, this is the Discem Medical Monday. We're talking about the body's reaction to stress and specifically when one develops a condition called psoriasis. It is a skin condition and because it is a skin condition it's, a, it's the body's um, immune reaction to uh, to stress I've joined uh, I'm joined in studio by dr Eshad Muhammad esak and he's a dermatologist if you've got any questions you're welcome to send them through on three four five one nine. Or you can WhatsApp on zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine. And what's nice about that WhatsApp is you can send us voice notes, you can send us pictures as well as text. So uh, go on, get in touch. Right. So I was asking you, can you tell us what's actually happening in the body at that stressful time that is causing this inflammation, this, this you know, this outbreak um, on the sk- on the skin?
1: If you were to divide the skin up into into its different layers, you've got the epidermis, which is the outermost layer. The next layer deep to that is the dermis, and the third layer is the, is the fat layer. Psoriasis predominantly occurs in the outermost layer, the epidermis. Normally, the cells of the epidermis begin their journey of the epidermis in the deepest part of the epidermis. And over a period of between about 75 to about 90 days, the cells that are most immature make their way up to form the outermost layer.
0: Right. So that's why our skin's constantly sloughing
1: off. That that sloughing off actually is what results in the dust in your house. Okay?
0: Oh lovely. Thank so you.
1: <laughs> so as the cells work their way from the deeper layer to the more superficial outermost layer, they are supposed to mature in order for them to form a, a, a barrier function on the on the on the outermost layer of the skin. However, in psoriasis, the turnover rate of the cells from the deepest layer to the most superficial layer of the epidermis is cut down to anywhere between about 20 to about 35 days. Because those cells don't have the time to mature, when they reach the top part of the skin, they don't perform their function properly. And the effect of sloughing or the the dusty flake that's supposed to come off, that is an indication of maturity. If the cells don't mature properly, they tend to remain stuck on. And that's what actually gives you the scale over the top. So what you have essentially is an increased cell turnover rate. It is not a cancer. For example, in a cancer situation, you would have cells that are not performing their normal function. They are beginning to misbehave themselves. The difference in psoriasis is that these are normal skin cells in the layer that they're supposed to be in, except that they are being pushed out prematurely. And that is what results in the inflammation and the scaling over the top. And that increased cell turnover is as a result of an overactive immune system. Hmm. Now, remember that at a time of, for example, if you look at stress being a trigger, you would find that at stressful times, the way your body's immune function changes in in order to deal with the stressor. And as a result, you end up with these patches that that, that occur.
0: Will you always get psoriasis in the same places during these flare-ups? Like if you've Not necessarily. had it on your hairline, will you, you get it at, at your hairline again?
1: You, you could get an, another bout of the, of the disease uh, uh, in, in, the, in the scalp, but nothing stops you from developing a new plaque elsewhere. And you'll find that in some patients, if the stressor or if the trigger, whether it's stress or whether it's a throat infection in some cases, uh, HIV seroconversion can do this as well, um, you'll find that patients may develop larger body surface area involvement with every subsequent flare. That may also occur.
0: Jenny wants to know, what is the relationship between psoriasis Uh sorry. Um, What is the relationship Between psoriasis and eczema That's a great question, thanks Jenny
1: The two disorders are completely Different entities, in fact The two disorders are thought to be Caused by separate arms of The immune system Now, the the part of the Immune system that actually drives psoriasis In most Cases, from a chemical Or an immunological point Of view, suppresses the arm That actually drives eczema so it's unusual to see a patient who's got psoriasis and eczema unless they've got a localized, for example, contact eczema to uh, a nickel or a, or, or, um, or a chemical or a cosmetic. But insofar as… That's
0: allergy related. That's more allergy.
1: That would be an allergic eczema. But if you look at psoriasis and eczema, they are two completely different entities in the way they behave, in the way they are formed. And in the way they actually respond to treatment.
0: And yet they can look so similar. And yet
1: they can look very, very, very similar.
0: So how do you know if you've got psoriasis versus if you have eczema?
1: Okay. Eczema generally tends to be extremely itchy. And you you may have heard me say earlier on that psoriasis can also be itchy. But eczema is quite, uh, uh, itch is quite a, a cardinal feature of eczema. The other thing about eczema Is that eczema tends to occur If you're going to compare The common type of eczema Or atopic dermatitis To psoriasis You'll remember I mentioned That the psoriasis occurs On the elbows and the knees Yes Eczema occurs in the opposite areas To psoriasis So it'll usually be the anticubital fossa in other words uh, on the inside the, the of flexure, the knees the flexure of the of the of the elbows
0: on the backs of and the and knees. the backs
1: of the knees okay. right uh, those are and then we, oh, we look at eczema eczema can also occur on the face whereas psoriasis generally just peeps down the hairline and does not occur on the central part of the face hmm. so there are subtle differences in its distribution in its evolution as well.
0: They almost mirror each other the way that
1: you're explaining this. They can can, uh, reciprocate each other. But I'm I'm talking specifically now about the classic types or the common types of eczema and the common type of psoriasis. There are variants of both disorders, and that's where things become a bit more confusing.
0: Sure. Very, very interesting. Very, very complex. What are the different types of psoriasis? You did say that we… We we discussed
1: psoriasis vulgaris, the common type. Right. You then get a type, for example, uh, called flexural psoriasis or inverse psoriasis. Now, that can mimic e- eczema as well because this occurs usually in the flexure, so it'll be underneath the arms, in the in the antecubital fossa uh, of the elbow, and behind the knees as well. So that's where in the elbow in the elbow <laughs> itself. So it can become a little bit more difficult to differentiate from an eczema. Then you have something called erythrodermic psoriasis. The erythrodermic type is where you have more than 90% of the body's surface area being involved. Wow. Very, very hard to, to determine what's normal skin and what's affected skin. You then get, can get psoriasis that affects predominantly the nails. So nail psoriasis can occur in about half to 1% of the population without them having any skin involvement. Similarly, you can get patients who've got scalp involvement without having any other skin involvement. So scalp psoriasis, nail psoriasis, genital area psoriasis can also occur in some patients. So psoriasis has got many, many variants to the classic type.
0: I found this absolutely fascinating. I mean, the way that it behaves is almost, when I think about it, like almost biblical. Do you know what I mean? When you talk about that, uh, what what do they call it in the, I mean, I know the Hebrew, it's yeah. – Maybe you can help me. Maybe you can help me. Three, four, five, one, nine. What is it's? um, It's like right on the tip of my tongue. This uh, this disease that people used to get for speaking slander in the bible what's it called 34519 or 010140 no sorry 0618951019 help a girl out man <laughs> the words just gone straight out of my mouth but it, my mouth but it just it's it sounds almost like that
1: you so, know and, and psoriasis is a is a uni- universal disease in the sense that majority populations around the world can be affected by psoriasis and in terms of race group as well um, there are there's no real distinction between which race groups can be affected and which race groups are not affected so essentially anyone can develop psoriasis
0: interesting um Okay. If you've got any questions, you're welcome to send them through on 34519. Alternatively, you can send us a WhatsApp on 61 I want to know what that, uh, what that biblical disease is that people got for speaking slander. And, uh, you know, maybe that was a type of psoriasis, huh? Um, can babies get psoriasis? What are the most common ages?
1: the typical form of psoriasis essentially has got two age peaks, usually at around 15 years of age, and then later on at about 50 years of age. However, patients can present themselves anyway outside of these of these particular ranges. Childhood psoriasis occurs, however, is relatively rare. Very very few patients um, below the age of 10 tend to develop psoriasis. However, in my Private practice, I have seen a few over the past uh, uh, past few years. Um, if you look at those who are in the younger age peak, generally speaking, you will find that their trigger tends to be a sore throat, a streptococcal sore throat. Because there is an, an uh, a way in which the immune system changes to deal with that sore throat, they tend to develop something called guttate psoriasis. Guttate psoriasis essentially is the same appearance except that you have this fine confetti pattern that occurs on their skins. Uh, almost like um, it's sometimes referred to as the raindrop psoriasis. So the streptococcal sore throat is most commonly associated with gut type of psoriasis. And gut type psoriasis can evolve eventually into the common type of psoriasis. The older age group patients tend to develop psoriasis And a fair number of them also develop psoriatic arthropathy. And this is the other system that psoriasis essentially uh, commonly affects, which is the joints or the musculoskeletal system. So psoriatic arthritis usually occurs in the older age groups. You will find that in some patients, the arthritis is sometimes misdiagnosed as being a rheumatoid arthritis because wow. the patterns of, of psoriatic arthritis is very, very similar to rheumatoid arthritis. And in, and in a lot of cases, patients are misdiagnosed because there isn't any skin manifestation yet. And there can be a lag period of sometimes as, as long as 14 years between the development of the arthritis and the development of the skin lesions and vice versa. It's only when the two tend to occur together that someone connect the dots and then realize we're no longer dealing here with a possible rheumatoid arthritis, but we may be having a psoriatic arthritis.
0: I've actually seen pictures. As you were talking, I actually went and I googled some pictures of psoriasis just to make sure that how you were describing it was correct. (laughs) But um, this, this psoriasis, it, is it possible to get it internally? Can you get it internally? No,
1: essentially psoriasis only affects two systems The skin and, and the joints as I explained Psoriasis tends not to, uh, not to occur or affect any other system in the body it's, it's relatively localized to those two systems only Is there a cure? In one word, no Psoriasis has got no cure However, In terms of treatments and managements, there are various things that have been tried in the past, and there are newer drugs that are also out on the market. When I say newer, I'm talking about recently in the past 10 to 15 years that are out on the market that are aimed towards providing patients patients with a better quality of life and in in most cases long-term remissions. But that does not necessarily mean that they are completely disease-free. It's not like having a flu this week, um, being treated for it, and by next week you are cured of your flu, of your flu. In this cases, in this case, as when you've been diagnosed with having psoriasis, you will always wear the label of psoriasis.
0: So it's kind of like when somebody gets infected with the herpes virus, you've and, they, her- and they and they get a um, a fever blister. Absolutely, they will always have herpes.
1: Correct. In their body. I mean, there's there's a joke that goes around if you want to get married, get married to herpes because herpes never leaves you. Oh my
0: gosh. <laughs> you see, that's the doctor's joke. It,
1: it, it, it never, it, it never, it, it, it becomes dormant but never leaves you.
0: Okay. All right. So we've got psoriasis, we've got herpes. Yeah. <laughs> marry herpes because it never leaves you. <laughs> I <can't. laughs> All right. What can you tell us that? you find interesting about psoriasis
1: I find psoriasis a very misunderstood disorder um, in the sense that uh, there are a lot of negative connotations that go with psoriasis Um, and you will find that sufferers of psoriasis um, tend to have a very difficult life for many reasons if you look at someone who's got moderate to severe disease say, for example, with a body surface area that's affected of more than about 20 to 25 percent, you've got to remember that it's this constant itch.
0: So, so it is itchy. It,
1: it, it can be itchy. So it's this constant irritation and itch. You'll find that they tend to scratch. They have a problem with social interaction. In some patients, you get a plantar type of psoriasis affecting only the palms and the soles. And in more severe cases, you can get a pustular type of psoriasis, where they develop pustules on their palms and soles. It makes it very difficult for them to sometimes even extend the, their hand.
0: Well, it's very socially inhibiting.
1: Absolutely. So now you're going to look at how does it affect them from an occupation point of view. Um, sometimes employers don't understand the disease. And uh, they kind of dismiss the, the the employee for that particular reason. You may find that um, e- even, like you say, from a social point of view, interactions with others becomes very, very difficult. Other family members, spouses, and that in itself puts a lot of strain on the individual, which adds further stress. Yeah. So that tends to drive the disease. You'll find that they can't maintain relationships. They can't remain uh, gainfully employed uh, it, it just becomes difficult for them overall and like I said uh, for those who don't understand the disease uh, th- there's sometimes a, a negative stigma attached to it um, because it, it, it can be quite a, a cosmetically debilitating disease as well I mean if you've got scalp psoriasis when you're having uh, a dusty flake that's falling over your 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 suit, or, or, or your, your uniform on a daily basis, um, let's face it, it does become difficult for you to interact with others as well. At meetings, um, scalp is, is itchy, uh, lower back is itchy, your knees are itchy. Um, it makes it difficult for these patients to actually function. Um, and a, a lot of times it's misunderstood. Um, the, the psychological impact of psoriasis is very much misunderstood in majority of cases.
0: I'm Cathy and uh, My guest is Dr. Irshad Mohammed Esak. He's a dermatologist. Uh, we have opened the lines. Uh, if you'd like to give us a call, you can. 010-140-3020. Okay? 010-140-3020. And uh, let's find out who we're speaking to on line one. Good morning. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Cathy, the disease is going Leprosy, that was the name of the disease Thank you so much, who am I speaking to? Asha To? Asha Hi Asha, have a wonderful day, thank you so much Okay, so yeah, Getting lots of feedback there I do apologize for that But yeah, that, does, that biblical disease That I was saying, you know, psoriasis seems to be Behaving in the same sort of way As it's explained in the, in the, in the Bible um, Of leprosy Leprosy, How could I forget
1: that word? It, it comes to <laughs> mind as well now. Leprosy essentially is, is an infective disorder. It's caused by a mycobacterium, uh, mycobacterium leprae. You'll find that it comes from a similar, the mycobacterium itself is from a similar family as that which causes tuberculosis. Interesting. Now, in this country, um, leprosy has got a very, very low incidence. Um, partly because uh, it was easily recognized initially and uh, it was very well treated. Yes, um, you do encounter the odd patient um, with leprosy. Thus far in my private practice, I have not encountered one. However, when I was still in my training days, uh, you would diagnose perhaps at a state institution, and and, and I studied predominantly in, in KZN, I would estimate between about 6 to 10 a year. Um but that was there was very 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 few patients. And in fact there has been grants that have been offered by uh, certain drug companies and WHO to support the treatment for leprosy and that's what actually kept the the incidence of, of of leprosy down.
0: Leprosy is very different to how it's described in the Bible though. It's not it doesn't sound like it's the same disease.
1: Uh Depending how you interpret it, leprosy can be quite a debilitating disease as well Because you must remember that you can get severe forms of leprosy The Mycobacterium itself has got a propensity or a a predilection for nerve tissue So you do get those patients who have got those sensory problems of their hands or feet Where they injure themselves they don't recognize it. It becomes infected or ulcerated, and they do end up losing digits, like you would, uh, like you would, uh, have described in, in in the in the scriptures. So leprosy, um, you know, there's always a lot of uh, stigma attached to it as well. Uh, still common in certain in certain countries as well. Um, patients are easily ostracized, and uh, they are usually chased out of the v- out of the villages um, in more rural areas. Because of the Disfigurement that leprosy can leave you with um, And bearing in mind That because leprosy is a An infective disorder It is technically speaking contagious And you do have a whole spectrum of disease That occurs within leprosy itself So uh, leprosy um, Different from psoriasis Completely
0: Is it a skin disease? Is it considered a dermatologic one, la- one
1: of the manifestations or One of the predominant manifestations Is on the skin itself but like I said, the Mycobacterium leprae has got a predilection for nerve tissue, so peripheral peripheral sensory and motor nerves are are affected, and that's what results in the claw hand that they end up developing, and the sensory deficit. And
0: the digits just get shorter and shorter and shorter. They they yeah. actually
1: begin to become, um, in some cases, necrotic and gangrenous. Yeah. That's because with the infection that occurs, they. Sensory system doesn't function as properly as it should So when they get injured Be it a burn Be it uh, a traumatic injury They stub their toe or whatever They can't feel it Therefore are unaware of it Therefore they don't attend to it At some point in time they realise a few days later I've actually been injured But by then it's already infected And then you end up with a problem with the digit
0: Gosh, I mean think of a paper cut Absolutely
1: right. they, they wouldn't recognise it Yeah, it, It's similar to, to to the effect that you see in a diabetic, for example, in a diabetic neuropathy, uh, a sensory neuropathy, they can't, they can't um, appreciate sensation. So, if they've got a little, a small stone in their in their shoe, they can't uh, sense it or appreciate it. They'd walk the entire day with that stone um, rubbing against the toe.
0: And that's where and the problems come from. In
1: the evening, they won't even realize that there's a problem. They wear the same shoe with the same stone in it the next day. And it may happen for several days continuously without them even realizing they've got a problem, which is why we, we advise diabetics to regularly sit down and look at the bottom of your feet. Because if you've got a sense of neuropathy, you wouldn't recognize that you've got a problem until it's too late.
0: Gosh. This is so interesting, like how, how the body is so diverse and... You know, I was looking at. Uh, I mean, just getting back to psoriasis, I was looking at some of these pictures. Some of the psoriasis actually looks almost like ringworm. You know, where it's got like a, a little ring, and inside it looks normal, outside it looks normal, but the ring itself um, looks. You know, it's a. It's a, the, the, it the, actually the, looks like a. The,
1: the, the word you're actually looking for is annular. That's what we 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 describe it as annular, meaning round or circular or ovoid. Yes. And and yes.
0: And that's different to the confetti type that you were describing. Earlier. essentially
1: same but the confetti ones will be essentially be smaller in diameter. Yeah. But generally speaking in its classic form psoriasis will have a an very annular or a or a discoid appearance. But obviously in a patient who's got multiple lesions as time goes by those little circular areas tend to coalesce and join with each other. And in some cases, giving you large patches. Uh, I mean, wow. uh, that can occur over the entire buttock, lower back, upper back, and it's quite confluent at times. So it's difficult for you to even um, uh, appreciate where the original patch was. And um, you'll find that in its very early stages, maybe easy, but as it begins to evolve, you can have. Um, other problems that, that, that can occur with diagnosis.
0: So many people coming through with the answer leprosy. It's actually incredible. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. Um, okay, some of these other um, questions, which I'm just going to put to you. Um, Celine says, Hi, what healing s- um, substance effectively shrinks a sebaceous cyst on the scalp without cutting? which is completely different to what we're actually talking about. But can you can you actually shrink a sebaceous What's cyst? I mean, uh, I, I'm thinking Dr. Pimple Papa. Okay.
1: It's Celine, am I right? Yes, yeah, uh, Essentially, a, a sebaceous cyst is a subtype of epidermal cysts. Epidermal cysts essentially occur out of one of two skin structures. In the case where they occur out of a hair follicle, it will be called a pilocyst. If it occurs out of the adjacent sebaceous gland, it's a sebaceous cyst. If it's on the scalp, chances are it's most likely a pilot cyst because of the density of hair follicles. In answer to our question, the definitive treatment for a sebaceous cyst or an epidermal cyst is surgical excision. Commonly, a sebaceous cyst can be mistaken for being an abscess because one of their characteristics is that they've got a wall or a lining that produces a protein into the center of the cyst. That protein generally is very foul-smelling, and it is of a cottage cheese consistency. Now, it
0: sounds so mo- disgusting. It, it, sometimes <laughs> so what happens it. is that
1: the, the cyst expands relatively quickly over a period of about a week to a week and a half. The patient then experiences pain because of the expansion. Yeah. They run off to, the, to their nearest GP or, or casualty officer, and understandably, it's sometimes misdiagnosed as being an abscess. The treatment for an abscess would be to incise and drain it. What happens with the with, the, with the sebaceous cyst is that if you incise and drain it, you've only drained the contents. A- and what adds to the problem is that you've got this whitish material on the inside that can mimic pus. Oh, wow.
0: That's so much, that different. further
1: compounds the misdiagnosis. Essentially, you put it to antibiotics and off you go and... After about a few weeks, the cyst lining basically closes up again, and you're back to square one. As long as the, the cyst lining is present, the cyst will recur. In some cases, it may recur after a few weeks. In some cases, it, occur, it recurs after after several years. But a sebaceous cyst, as long as the lining is present, or, or a pilar cyst, as long as the lining is present, you need to have it surgically removed.
0: So the lining is actually when it comes out, it looks like it's in a bag.
1: It, it, it's it's, it's uh, almost yes, it, like it a is, little. It is well correct. It, It's got a capsule correct. It does have a capsule, That's
0: and and the more
1: you the more you squeeze these thinking it's it's a mini abscess, what you end up doing is you can rupture the lining and drive the contents further into the dermis.
0: Yeah,
1: and those contents are not expected to be in the dermis, so you then drive an inflammatory reaction. And one of the end points of an inflammatory reaction is scar tissue.
0: So will your GP be able to diagnose the difference between a sebaceous cyst and uh, an abscess?
1: You should be able to. However, Even though they do in, look so similar, in their defense, it's not always that easy.
0: Okay. Selina, so, I hope that that helped you. Thank you very much. Okay, we've got, uh, let's have a look here. Um Mike Lubo, thanks so much Mike He says, is the herpes virus related to chicken pox and shingles Both of which I had lost within the two months of each other That's interesting
1: Essentially, if you look at the herpes group or family of viruses There are eight to speak of If you look at the first three Herpes type 1 essentially causes your fever blisters on cold sores Or herpes labialis Your herpes type 2 tends to cause genital herpes otherwise known as one of the STDs.
0: Does it look the same? Is genital you have herpes, I mean, just... Is the same as oral herpes? Yeah, this,
1: they have these small, what we describe as punched out ulcers with an extremely uh, red ring around them. And you'll find that they are extremely painful. Pain is generally one of the cardinal features of a herpetic infection. The thing about herpes is that you may end up getting a slight predrome or a prodrome where patients develop a bit of a tingly sensation prior to the onset of what are first water blisters the water blisters essentially erupt and then you'll find that they end up having an ulceration and that further compounds the pain in order for you to get herpes labialis or herpes genitalis so in other words hsv herpes simplex virus type 1 or type 2 you must have come into contact with it at some point in time in the past. Usually, it's general contact with individuals. And the differentiation between developing herpes simplex virus type 1 or type 2 is purely academic. The, there is no real clinical distinction between the two because of people's various habits, you can get herpes type 1 or type 2 in the, in the other area. Coming back to the varicella, which is the chickenpox, herpes, uh, it, it, a varicella virus actually is caused by herpes virus type 3. And that causes, in childhood generally, chickenpox. And that is the initial encounter with the virus. So most patients who develop chickenpox as a child, uh, either from their sibling or some uh, classmate that they were playing with at the creche or at, or at primary school, they develop an. An infection of uh, chickenpox, Which are these Scattered Water blisters With the red rings It's described in the textbook As being a Dew drop On a, re- on a rose petal yeah. These are scattered The associated fever That comes with it And you'll find that After a period of About 10 to 14 days or so They, they become non-infective And then the area Begins to scab The scabs fall off You end up with these little like Chicken, scratch, chicken it, it scars. chickenpox scars And um, that's the end of the Of the infection and in majority of cases, against chickenpox, your body develops lifelong immunity. In the majority of cases, in a patient who is immune-competent, not HIV-positive. Okay. Later on in life, or rather at the time of the, of the chickenpox or varicella infection, as most herpes viruses do, the virus then becomes dormant, and it usually settles in one of the sensory nerves. At a later stage in life, again, in a stressful situation... If you look at intercurrent stressor, financial stressor, job stressor, social stressor, whatever, moving house, you'll find that the the immune system changes again and allows the virus to essentially go from a dormant state into an active state. So it begins to replicate and you'll find you now end up getting um, a bout of shingles, which is basically herpes zoster infection. So it's the same virus... But it's presenting itself in a different clinical form Where you have these grouped blisters yeah. And some patients will tell you I've had this burning or tingling sensation Before the water blisters start started And you'll find that This can be extremely painful Because of the involvement of the sensory nerve And generally speaking uh, Things like, like your shingles Tend not to cross the midline There are certain other variants But in, in its classic form it tends not to cross the midline.
0: So interesting. This is very like one virus, one virus. Two presentations
1: depending on age group and your immune status.
0: Yeah, I, I found it absolutely fascinating. B, um, B, why didn't you put your whole name? Would have been nice. Could it could it could be Barry or Belinda, you know. But anyhow, um, says all right. Also giving us the answer leprosy, but saying what is the difference between psoriasis and ringworm?
1: Ringworm is the, is, the, is the common is a common name given for a disorder called tinea corporis. Tinea corporis essentially is a type of fungal infection of the skin. And as you d- uh, mentioned earlier, it can look very, very similar to psoriasis. In ringworm, you normally have an initial area that has got fine blisters along the edge, extremely itchy because it's, it's a fu- fungus that's actually causing the problem. And the edge is slightly raised and red untreated or mistreated that patch will then begin to or that plaque will begin to expand outwards as it does the periphery maintains the area of inflammation so the redness the blistering con- uh, uh, continues but the but the area begins to expand outwards trailing behind it is an area usually of slightly darker skin um, because that was just subjected to the inflammation a, a few days or weeks earlier. But ringworm is an infective condition falling into the fungal organism group.
0: And it's also highly contagious. And that's also <coughs> highly
1: contagious. Now, depending on where ringworm occurs, we have different Latin names for it. So tinea corpus will be on the body, tinea facii will be on the face, tinea manum will be on the hand, uh, tinea cruris will be in the genital area. So we give different names as a descriptor. But ringworm is the common name for a fungal infection of the skin.
0: Hmm, amazing. Mike, Lu- Mike Luber is actually weighing in again. He says, thanks for the info. I was in a highly stressed situation and invited for dinner to someone whose child, unknown to me, was badly infected with chickenpox. And that's how he got it. <sighs> but it's, it's always so much serious, so much more serious when you get chickenpox as an adult.
1: In, in fact, mean, chickenpox as an adult, <clears throat> if you're going to compare to the stats for, for children, chickenpox is relatively rare. Patients who develop chickenpox as an adult may develop it as a result of one, poor immunity or have not been exposed to chickenpox as a child. Two, uh, they may be having or may have come into contact with a f- relatively high viral load. So even though you may be having good immunity, you may have come into close contact or regular or repeated contact with um, a- an infected person. The other reason why adults develop chickenpox is usually in our South African setup in association with HIV. They may end up with uh, with adult-onset chickenpox to the point where the chickenpox can also cause an encephalitis, so an infection of, th- of the brain, and that may be fatal in some cases. So in that case, the HIV predisposed the patient to the development of the chickenpox and a varicella encephalitis, and that may have eventually... Uh, Resulted in the patient's demise Other risk factors For the development of chickenpox Is in some cases Poorly controlled diabetes It can occur also In elder patients Whose immune systems Are not as good As they used to be And then transplant patients Patients who are receiving um, Immune suppressant therapy So we are suppressing Their immune systems In order for them Not to reject the graft To beat a a kidney or, Or whatever it may be You may find that the doctors are actually causing immune suppression uh, suppression with the medication, which kind of leaves the door open for other types of infections, chickenpox basically being one of them. And then there are groups of patients, for example, who've got uh, autoimmune diseases, for example, uh, diseases like uh, lupus who are also receiving immune suppression therapy for one reason or the other.
0: Right, because lupus you can't even treat systema- um, systemically.
1: You, systemically you, 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 do treat, system- no, you do treat systemically, but, but you're using immune suppressant drugs as well. Because it also well.
0: changes. It can change it, all the time. It's a
1: very enigmatic disease. Yeah. And you'll find that because they are on immune suppressant therapy, including uh, uh, steroids or, or cortisones, that also puts them at risk of the development of infections, of which chickenpox can, can be one of them. So there's very... Specific reasons why an adult would encounter or would uh, um, present with chickenpox, and certainly an adult who presents with chickenpox, it's always worthwhile to have them properly investigated because you don't expect an adult to develop chickenpox, sure. N- not not in the in the usual setup. So, if they do develop chickenpox, it's always important to understand why did this particular adult develop chickenpox. Mm.
0: Absolutely fascinating. I'm Kathy Kayla. This is the Discam Medical Monday. My guest is Dr. Ershad Muhammad Essak. He's, he's a dermatologist. We're talking about psoriasis. It's really the body's response, the, bod, the body's immune response to uh, stress in the environment, and it is a lot more common than one would think. Um, we've got to take a very, very quick break from us. Well, we got to hear one of the messages from our sponsors, uh, Diskem, but. When we come back, Cyril, we're going to be addressing your question. Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Dyskem, pharmacists who care. <laughs> Time has gone 10.51. You're on the Discam Medical Monday. My name's Kathy Kayla, and uh, my guest is Dr. Ishad Muhammad Esak. He's a dermatologist. We're talking about psoriasis. And uh, Cyril wanted to know, do anti-inflammatories help? Let's talk about treatment. How do you treat psoriasis?
1: There are various modalities of treatment for psoriasis depending on the type and depending on the body's surface area, depo- depending upon the patient's individual profile and their other comorbidities. Um, it, and you'll find that the use of anti-inflammatories in psoriasis only has a role in patients who've got psoriatic arthritis. That would probably be one of the ways you would you would gain pain relief. However, in psoriatic arthritis, the anti-inflammatories usually have got a role only in mild, mild maybe up to moderate disease. For more severe disease, you are going to need to treat that psoriasis a lot more aggressively, mainly because you'll find that the joint involvement in psoriasis tends to be progressive, and the anti-inflammatories tend not to halt that progression of joint destruction. It only it will end up giving you pain relief. So you need to be a lot more aggressive with the treatment, and in most cases, those type of patients land up at um, at a rheumatologist. But anti inflammatories to treat cutaneous or skin psoriasis, there is no role for it.
0: Does diet ever ha- have an impact? I mean, if you think of all the different systems that are linked, and you think of uh, the skin as the biggest organ that our body has, everything is related, and everything you know. They say that you are what you eat. There Does diet have an impact on psoriasis?
1: There has been Uh, quite a few uh, publications with respect to diet and and psoriasis. Um, There has been some suggestions that the omega-3s, 6s and 9s tend to offer a slightly improved situation in psoriasis. However, in terms of um, exclusion diets, in other words, removing something from your diet there hasn't been any conclusive studies to show that removing something from your diet would give you an advantage in managing your psoriasis. Okay. So diet tends not to play as a big, major a, a major role as as other disorders. So
0: it would be a supporting.
1: It'll be more of a supporting role,
0: correct? Yeah. And eventually, will it just go away if we if we are no longer as stressed?
1: Yes, there has been spontaneous resolution in patients with psoriasis mainly in patients who've got limited or mild disease. So a, a few patches here and there, it could fade before the patient even realizes that it was psoriasis. Only to find that 20, 25 years later, they have a rash and they tend not to realize that I had a similar one three decades ago. <laughs> so they, they may not make the connection that in my 20s, I had psoriasis, albeit mild. And now that I'm 50 years old, I now have got a, an itchy, scaly red patch that rapidly begins to evolve. So sometimes patients also don't see the connection and it's sometimes difficult to actually make the connection because there are a lot of other disorders that can actually look like psoriasis. Like what? Like, for example, especially this time of the year.
0: You said eczema, except that it's on different parts on of different the body. Parts,
1: you can get psoriasis looking like another disorder called pityriasis rosea. Do they give
0: us similar names just to irritate us they, and confuse they, us.
1: They give you it, it, the Latin names are actually given um, in an attempt to describe what you're actually looking at.
0: So, rosea, rosea. Rosea.
1: Now, if you look at all the form disorders, meaning scaly disorders that have got a very fine scale to them. So, if you were to take your cornflakes. Uh, or your brain um, that you buy from a pharma, 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 pharma pharmacy and if you were to crush it it's that fine dusty flake that is what is referred to as form. now form disorders have got this very fine dusky, dusty flake to them psoriasis, uh, sorry, pteriasis rosea being one of them and they can also mimic psoriasis then you have something called parasoriasis or otherwise known as digitate dermatosis you can get these oval to round-looking patches that occur mainly on the trunk back, um, sometimes referred to as a bear hug sign, where you find patients. Uh, will just if you look at them, it appears as if a bear has hugged them, but has left them with these red scaly patches all over all over their body. Mm. Uh, can also mimic psoriasis as well. Um, l- like we mentioned, uh, eczema can do that. Fungal infections like tinea corporis can actually look like psoriasis as well. Uh, then you look. There's another disorder called pityriasis lichenoides acuta et varioliformis vario- ac- uh, uh, acuta, or pleva can also look similar to psoriasis. Now it's important that that when there is a doubt about this about the the diagnosis, that you undertake a skin biopsy because there are changes that we actually see that differentiate these under a microscope. And it's important from a prognosis point of view and from a treatment point of view and probably from a genetic counseling point of view um, how you manage the patient going forward. Because if I were to label you as having psoriasis, you've got a chronic disorder that you're going to have to live with. Whereas if you've got a tinea corporis, that's transient because I could treat that comfortably with a with a, an antifungal And four to six weeks later Your tenure corporis is gone Whereas if you've been wearing the wrong label We're barking up the wrong tree
0: Right And some of these things can be life-threatening Absolutely Because it, it, just, it ends up attacking your, your immune system again Alright, we've got a wrap I've got so many questions that have coming in I'm so sorry that we haven't been able to get all... get to all of your questions that have come in on our SMS line, but thank you very, very much, and uh, thank you so much to Dr. Eshad Mohammed Esak dermatologist we've been talking psoriasis, if you've only just joined us, boy have you missed an interesting, interesting hour on Medical Monday so uh, listen, I'm taking a break for the next few weeks thank you so much for joining me Uh, but Diske Medical Monday will be back tomorrow, thank you God bless, take care, bye bye Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Dischem, pharmacists who care.